Bedard. Here he comes over the attacking line, dishes it off to Sustelet. In the middle for Smolza, walks into the slot, fires a shot, scores! Slap shot goal by Stanislav Smolza. Brook gets it free to Whitehead, below the left circle, cuts in front of the net, turns and shoots, scores! Rex to Whitehead, quickly down low, Sustelev scores! Off the goaltender and in, Sustelev picks up his 11th of the season. Welcome to Patscast, the unofficial Regina Pats podcast. With your host, Chris Clark, Kevin Shaw. All right, Kevin, let's keep this one tight. Uh, for our listeners, we had uh, Bill Williams come on. I had a great interview with him today, so it ran a little long. But Bill's a, a longtime, you know, media member on of the WHL as a whole. He's covered tons of hockey across this league for a long time. So we got him on to talk a little bit about the upcoming games on the road trip. And uh, yeah, he's a great storyteller. So he, uh, yeah, he he had some good stories and lots of good information. So we're gonna keep our part of the show pretty tight here. I mean, it was two games in Winnipeg. We weren't expecting a lot. Uh, there was a sliver of hope maybe in both games, but then Winnipeg realized, uh, oh, wow, what what are we doing here? Let's let's step on the throat, and, and they did that, I think. Oh, the, the Thursday game, there was hope. There was yeah. so much hope. Got too, got too hopeful. Then the bubble, the bubble, the bubble burst, burst. in the third period. Yeah. First period, two one lead. Oh, I was I was so pumped. And then Winnipeg goes and scores like a minute into the second period. I'm like, oh my god, not again. Then they then they took the lead. The Pats tied it up. The battle back and forth. Four four going into the third. I was like, oh, there's there's a chance. And then no. Yeah, the wheels no. just fell off. Right, like just it was Winnipeg, Winnipeg just took played, over. Winnipeg played Winnipeg hockey, and they just outskated the Pats. Yeah, I mean, I think they just yeah realized, oh, what are we doing in a four-four game against Regina here, right? And, and <laughs> yeah, and from there. But I mean, so going back to that first two periods, I mean, yeah, the Pats had four goals, but they had chances. It's not like they just got lucky. I mean, I think I think we both agree, Bo Pitt was a little shaky. He laid in some weak goals, like that Howe goal. That was yeah. soft, real soft. Um, but the the Pats were generating scoring chances. And like we said last week, can we hope for two decent games? And I mean, I think we got them. I mean, we 40 minutes expect- on Thursday. We've got, well, we got 30, 40 minutes on Thursday, which was... Yeah, right. Which was pretty exciting. <laughs> there was hope. And I don't think <laughs> it's I don't think it's the way the Pats played in the third that lost the game. I mean, obviously there was some mistakes here and there, but I mean, it was... I think it was more even a little maybe 60-40 Winnipeg played better in the third period than they did in the first two periods. Winnipeg played Winnipeg hockey and they yeah. outskated the Pats. Yeah. And I think uh yeah, I mean it would just yeah, kind of got out of hand there. But uh like there was a couple of unlucky breaks with the Pats. They they had some good chances. There's a, the one goal off somebody's skate, I can't remember whose it was right in front. Uh I don't remember whose it was, but yeah, yeah there was how how had one that trickled right along the goal line. Like it was, you know, it was an exciting game. It was it was a good game to watch. I thought, and despite allowing nine goals, keeper yeah. kept them in, and he made some pretty good saves. Yeah, I mean, Winnipeg really they had lots of shots in the first two periods. Maybe I think I think maybe the Pats outchanced Winnipeg in the first two periods, but in this third period, then. I mean, Winnipeg only had ten shots, but Regina only had six, and I that that kind of tells you the tale of the period right there. Oh, they yeah. controlled the third period, like you said, outskated them, outworked them, went from there. Scored five goals on ten shots. <laughs> yeah, there you go, five on ten. Yeah, yeah, not good. And you got to give props to Matthew Savoy. Three yeah. goals, three assists. Like Oof. he was all over the place. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I could, I couldn't. It was like every time he touched the puck, I was like, oh crap. Yeah, yeah, here we go again. Like. <laughs> He's been a top player in this league for a couple of years. Well, I mean, he didn't play two years ago, but you know, he he's he's just one of those pieces in that that stacked team, right? That that stacked like top six, I guess, top whatever top line that they've got. Yeah. Going from there, I mean that that still doesn't bring him up in the top five. Peterson and McLennan are still uh, still ahead of him in points. Where is he? 
Savoy, he's still 17th in points. He's only got 26 points in 17 games after that six-point game. So that's, uh, yeah, maybe he's he's a little down this year. Maybe this game kind of gets him going or got him going. Yeah, well, watch out. Yeah, <laughs> right. Peterson and McLennan, they're, they're, they're ripping it up right now. Right, and then you get McCoy, uh, Savoy and uh, Geeky, right? Like he... He's yep. still lingering there. He's he's got the talent, but they got that... they got a decently decent scoring defense with like Zavadi. Yeah, so. dude's twenty third in scoring in the league. But yeah, I mean, and Bopit got the start in the second game as well. I, I, is there anything else you want to say from that first game? No, it's it's it was it was nice for forty minutes, and then yeah. I want to forget the rest of that one. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. So the second game, they go with Bullpit again. Sounds like Hauser was scratched, so they didn't have the, didn't have a, you know, a, maybe just an e-bug for backup. But I think he played a little better in that second game. Definitely. He, he actually made some quality saves. Yeah. And then, you know, after coming off a 9-5 game, it was, it was a tight game. It was a lot, low, obviously, lower scoring maybe definitely less chances i'd say both ways yeah for sure and the, the first period there was no, no scoring i, I yeah. couldn't i couldn't believe it no goals against against winnipeg it was they were they were they're were still flying pretty high though they were they were still skating skating fast compared to yeah the, compared to the pads of d <laughs> it was a it was a good game again i thought like it, it was like that everett game right like i think the pats played up to their up to Winnipeg's skill level, up to their pace almost, and it brought. I'm not going to say the best out of the Pats, but they can they can almost play at that level, right? It, they obviously don't have this the depth of talent there, but it seems like those teams can they can play up to those teams, right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think the backbreaker. I I mean, it was kind of early, but I mean that shorthand goal was rough, like the Benson goal. And then it yeah. just kind of went from there, right? And then yeah. they scored on the power play right after that. And then the super late goal in the second by Geeky. It was yeah. just, that was, that kind of, that second period. That was period, the nail. Yeah, that was, that was the, the finish. That, right. Suzlev scores early third, but I mean, they they did have, what, a five on three for a while in the third, but they didn't, they couldn't really get anything going on that. Yeah. Um. I get maybe the story of the game or something to come out of this is the Jackson Vaughn hit. I mean, looks like it could be in some trouble with the league. He got two, five, ten, and a game. That, that's a lot of that's a lot of penalties. I mean, the hit wasn't great. Um, that's that's an old school penalty total for a fight or something. Yeah, like you got <laughs> fight brawl. roughing <laughs> ten and a game. Like, yeah. and then Corbin, of course, he he was fighting. He got a. Him and whoever he squared off with both got fives. So it was it was interesting. Um but yeah, I think I think he's gonna be hearing from the league, I I I'd assume. Yeah. I didn't see the replay of it. You, you said you saw the replay of it and it looked Yeah, it looked it, like there might be there might be a, a call from the league, but that's yeah, too bad. I mean, the, both of them now. <laughs> I know. Right? They play that game, they're right on that edge, right? And they've they've gone I mean I know it's tough, right? Because anything now, they're old school and like that 10 years ago, wouldn't have been a big deal. No. Right. But the game's changed and that those hits are, aren't legal anymore. As much as if somebody, if you like that, if you like that play, you like it, but I mean, it's, it's not legal anymore. Right. And I mean, for who the guy, who he hit got up right away. So that's good to see, right. You you know, it it doesn't seem like he got injured per se on the yeah. play, but you never want to penalize. Oh, he didn't get hurt. So he's not a penalty. You still got to, to get rid of it. You got to call that penalty, right? A penalty is a penalty. No matter yeah, what, no matter right? what so. the outcome of the penalty is, right? Yeah, for sure. So, and then, I mean, there was another fight after that, the Bateman fight and Profovsky. There's an old school fight right there. Those two went toe to toe. And I mean, Bateman's got a few inches on that kid. And he hung in there. He took some six six versus five nine. There There's you go. a lot of inches. <laughs> There's a lot of inches. There you go. But I mean, 
Profoski, he stood in there. He took some shots and he he gave Bateman some too. But wow, that oh, was, was, they was... went for a while. Like they had just they got tired and got broken up. You don't see that very often. Yeah. Not anymore. No. You always just see guys tackling each other, and I hate to see yeah. that. Oh, the lines would get in right away, but they, they they let them go. It's yeah, it's something you don't see every day. No, not at all. Three fights in a game you don't see every day. You don't see two fights in one play, right? <laughs> two fights in one play. So, I mean, yeah, we weren't expecting a ton out of this these two games, um, but yeah, it was it was it was almost that that sliver of hope. You're like, oh, maybe the, can they get this first game to overtime and, and have a chance? But and I think the second game was was in Winnipeg's control for most of the game, where it didn't seem like the Pats had a real good chance at it. Well, I when think... the the Pat the Pats did open the scoring, but they didn't have the lead very long. It was what forty seconds. Yeah, I know that's before, that's terrible, before right? Before McClellan tied it up, it's like oh, right. Here we you go just again, like, and then it just kind of you get that, that first goal, and then they respond right away. That's that's killer, right? Late I goals mean... and quick response goals are terrible. <sighs> Yeah, exactly. And that's been the kind of the story of this team for the last couple of years, right? Yeah, last few years. They just, you know, okay, we scored a goal, and then you forget that you're, you got to play right away, and then all of a sudden it's the back of your net, and there goes your goal that you scored, yeah. right? Like, or, or, you, or you do a line change, or you change your defense up, and everything kind of gets, the, the high goes from a high to a huge low, and then they score. Yeah. I mean, we didn't talk about that Bedard goal, the first one of Thursday night. Whew, oh, yeah. What a goal. Yeah. Like, that was something else. But, I mean, there was another play. I There was a highlight pack of Bedard from that game alone. Somebody was like, man, this was one of his best games ever. And there was another dangle where he dang- toe-dragged two guys, and he had a really good scoring chance. He was a little in tight, but... Uh, man, he dangled the two guys in a row. It was just like, oh, man, like... He's on next level. And speaking of Geeky, like there's a couple clips of him just like blown by Geeky and he's already a first round NHL drafted player and he can't even handle Bedard. Like he's just laying the lumber. He blows by Geeky and Geeky's just slashing him hard. Like (laughs) there could have been a couple penalties on that kind of stuff. And it's just like, this guy's just, he was rolling. You gotta, you gotta remember though, Geeky's, uh, Geeky's quite a bit bigger and he's not, bigger, a little slower. Yeah. yeah, he's not he's not a he's not a speedster or anything like that. No, so. but but gee, I don't know if you noticed the crowd in the second game. There was actually quite a few people in the seats. Yes, and their their max attendance or whatever their capacity is sixteen twenty one. But on Saturday they had two thousand on their list. So that's that's pretty interesting. They were jamming them in, I guess. They, hey, a lot of people I mean, wanted to see Bedard. People want to see him. They're not going to say, well, you got to say no at some point, but you're like, okay, well, cram him in just like PA did in the, the final there, right? Yeah. Whatever. Like we used to do in the crush can. In the crush can. Yeah, just jamming in. We standed behind the net all all night long. T- but, 10 deep behind the net. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it was a tough couple games, I think. I mean, you don't want to say moral victories, but that because that's not, it's not a victory, but uh, I mean, they can play. They just, they need some more consistency. Right. And, and yeah. this road trick coming up is it's going to be tough, right? Like there's six games here, five through the West, one in Edmonton on the way back. I mean, Vancouver, it, you know, they're right at the same level as the Pats uh, are. And, you know, it's not, it's not going to be an easy game. Victoria, yeah, they're in the basement, but like uh, with our interview coming up, Bill Wilms, talks about it and he's like you know if you don't come to play they they'll find a way to beat you so if they don't show up i mean that's any team in this league if you don't play your game you don't play up to the level you're gonna lose yeah for sure so and then next week then you got Kamloops, Kelowna, and a hot kind of starting to roll pg so it's gonna be tough here yeah the next the next five in bc are gonna be they're gonna be a a test because they're Get, get to get prepared to lose Bedard, probably Sposal, possibly Suzdalev for extended periods of time. So yeah, they got to win. They, they, they got to win some games, or they could come back even worse than two games under five hundred. Yeah, I mean, and then you hit Edmonton. That's no gimme after you've been on the road for that long, right? That's, that's yeah, that's sure. a tough that's a tough game, right yeah. there. And then at that point, then yeah, you lose Bedard for sure, and then Sposal and maybe Suzdalev 
soon after that. So, yeah. you know, that's going to be tough, tough stretch without those guys. You figure you're going to lose more than you're going to win. So you're, they're already Good. under 500. Got to pick up the wins as soon as they can, or yeah. as many as they can before things start going. Things start changing when yeah, those so guys they really three keys. <laughs> they really got to get this road trip started on, on the right note Friday in Vancouver. Yeah, so. for sure. Also, we got we to give props to Bedard, who extended his point streak to 21 games, 48 points. Yeah, so that's two career 21-point uh, game streaks, right? Yeah. He's got 48 points in those 21 games, which is which is crazy because he's got 12 points up on second place in the league. Yeah, 12, yeah. And Suzdalev, he's on an eight-game eight streak, and he's got 16 points in those eight games, which it's nice to have those totals, but they need to have the Ws as well. I know, right? Like, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, I mean, Suzdalev coming in, you always think there's going to be that transition period. I mean, I think he's stepped in and he's shown pretty well already, right? Like, yeah, he's picking up yeah, a he's... lot. Of, he's picking up a lot of power play points, but I mean, hey, points are points, right? Like, goals are goals. It doesn't matter if it's on the power yeah. play or not. Like, a, we'll take a they goal all, they anytime. All they all count. They all matter. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's good to see. And Swozel had a, a streak there that got snapped on Thursday, did it not? I believe. Um, I think so. Yeah. So he was kind of rolling there, um, but yeah, yeah, because Svozo's got nineteen and nineteen now, so he's fourth on the team. And then yeah, so yeah, uh, anything else you got to say? I mean, we're trying to keep it short here. No, I think that's it. I look forward to checking out what Bill had to say. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good interview, and I think we'll get him on again next week as well so yeah he's he's a good storyteller so it's nice to be able to have a chance to talk to a guy like that he's been around the league so long he's seen so much junior hockey it's it's nice so yeah well with that we will talk to you later won't see at the rink tune in friday at 9 30 p.m late one so Stay up late. Hopefully we can see a win, maybe two in Victoria. With that, we'll chat with you next weekend. Good night, folks. Have a good one. All right. I'm glad to welcome on Bill Wilms. He is the color commentator for the Vancouver Giants, and he's a longtime WHL media personality. He covered the league extensively, especially on Shaw, so our, maybe our older listeners might remember when the WHL was on TV, uh, you would be able to hear him cover especially the playoffs. He was always doing that since I don't know how long it was, but I heard a, a number, how many playoff series you've covered. What was that number again? Well, Chris, it was at the start of last spring when uh, Vancouver was playing against Everett, uh, it was number 70 series. So uh, not 70 playoff games, but 70 series. I, I was fortunate enough, uh, fortunate enough from 2005 to 2017. So 12 years when, uh, when the NHL struck, went on strike, uh, Shaw just filled a beautiful void by providing WHL on Shaw hockey. So I would get my... 30 or whatever game assignment during the year and then uh, fortunate that for uh, those 12 years they gave me round one round two round three and round four uh, which would be obviously you know including the WHL final uh, round four and then uh, the Memorial Cup was a, uh, a Sportsnet property and so we did up until that point. And uh, I was fortunate even to do a Memorial Cup in 99 with Sportsnet, the first year that Sportsnet aired. <clears throat> the first year they came on television, uh, they covered the uh, Sunday night game of the week on, uh, you know, on the uh, Canadian Hockey League, the CHL. They threw it from Toronto, the headquarters. They threw it to Sportsnet uh, East, Sportsnet Ontario, Sportsnet West, Sportsnet Pacific. And, and uh, they, it was very aggressive. It was a really wonderful 
production they did, and then in '99 they got the uh, the year they started. They also got the rights to the Memorial Cup, and I got picked to do it. It was in Ottawa. It was a uh, Ottawa win, uh, and it was it was great. But uh, yeah, it's it's I've seen a lot of a lot of playoff. Never mind the uh, somebody counted over two thousand games in regular season play, but it's it's been fun. Yeah, most definitely, and I kind of miss that coverage. I mean, it's kind of the TV side's kind of gone by the way, and unfortunately, it's transferred to TSN now, and they're not showing anything on actual TV. So it's 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 a sad thing, and I know Access here in town, they'd always cover up or cover or pick up the Shaw broadcast, so Access was always showing it, and I remember 2007 that WHL final between Vancouver and Medicine Hat that. To oh, me, yeah. I think might be the best playoff series I have ever seen in any level of hockey. I mean that that series was unbelievable. Yeah, you know, uh, we were told that Game Seven, uh, which was Vancouver in in Medicine Hat, uh, our executive director at that time, two thousand seven, that's what we're talking about. When we saw when the graphs for uh, Vancouver only, I mean the game was showed from. Winnipeg to Victoria but when we saw the viewership on uh, television on the bar graphs that they showed we had the highest the bar graph was the highest for a Shaw hockey broadcast can you imagine a cable broadcast Uh, you you know uh, we had 406,000 viewers and uh, when you looked at what else was on this is just Vancouver now and what else was on TV in Vancouver? Uh, this was the highest viewed. So, nice. and it, it delivered a wonderful game too. If you remember, it was overtime. It was fog. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was everything. Yeah, that was that was outstanding. So, but uh, I guess we'll bring it around to today's times. I mean, so the Pats haven't been out on the road in a couple of years now, and so. I know maybe our listeners haven't seen these West Coast teams, so I thought, well, I'll bring you on, give us a little insight and who the Pats are going to be playing this upcoming road trip. we got the Grey Cup happening today, actually, and then Agribition's happening in two weeks, so the Pats have been, will be gone for, I think it's 10 total games on the road. Yeah, 10 road games, that's right. Yeah, so they just finished up two in Winnipeg. Came up a little short there, but uh, they got this week off and then they'll be in Vancouver on Friday night so you know Vancouver like last season I thought you know they I mean they thought they had a decent team they brought in some guys before the season started like an Alex Cotton Ty Thorpe Evan Toth but the season didn't really go as well as they planned and then they you know they kind of reversed course at the trade deadline and traded a guy like Justin Sordoff and Tanner Brown and pick up some assets. So what kind of, what are you seeing this year? Well, you know, it was a dismal year last year. Um, I think they had 10 home wins and, you know, Chris, that was the lowest in franchise history. And, you know, there were some, some really difficult spots in the, in the season, uh, losing Michael Dick to the world junior, um, that was going to put a little bit of a a dent in things here. Uh, You you know, you can hand your team over to an assistant coach, you know, many times, but sometimes what happens is some of the assistant coaches, especially the guys that have been in pro hockey, it's, it's a big, I want to say jump. But it's a big regress if you want back, step backwards with not to disparage the Western Hockey League at all or junior hockey at all. But it's a step back to an age group that a lot of these guys haven't worked. Now, mm-hmm. having said that, Bruce Hamilton tells me that from from uh, Kelowna, he tells me when they had a couple job openings for coaches in the last couple of years, you couldn't believe how many NHL assistant coaches applied. Uh, and so what happens is that you know, when the, when Michael Dick was gone and, and, and you know, we, we had, uh, you know, uh, they even brought in uh, Brent Seabrook to help out and, and uh, Keith McCambridge was the, was the assistant coach. They really struggled. I think the 10 games they made it may have won Um You know, these, these guys, they know where they want to go, Chris. No question. They know what they want to, they want, where they want to go. 
but they don't always know how to get there because mm-hmm. they're coming from a different age level. Yeah. You know, and, and it's a lot different at, at this, uh, at this level. I, I remember Noel, uh, uh, Claude Noel, when we had him as a coach with Vancouver a number of years ago, we had been here about 15 games, 20 games. We, they, they hired him late in the season. There was a firing and they got him. Now here's an NHL coach and I'm asking him post game one time in a post game show. I'm saying, you know, Claude, we're heading into the playoff stretch down the stretch. Who are your go-to guys? You know, who, who do you see as the go-to guys on the Vancouver Giants? And, you know, he said to me, he said, you know, I don't know. You you tell me. You've seen them more than I have. And, and I kind of thought that was telling. You know, it was a case where, well, I, I just haven't got my, you know, I haven't got the finger on the pulse just right. So we struggled a bit last year. And, and well, we struggled a lot, to be honest with you. And then squeeze into the playoffs, you know, that series one versus eight, the playoff format where Vancouver Giants are eight, Everett's, Everett's one. I think they were 50. 55 points ahead of us in the standings and you know you know what happens it was a it was an upset uh, four games to two for vancouver and then they lost two four games to two to Caliphs in around two but to your point you know we thought everybody thought there'd be some carryover from last spring from last spring's playoff into into this year and you know what there was um but the schedule wasn't kind Vancouver Giants played Seattle three of their first six games. They played Everett one of those games as well. Then you add that Brandon in our building and Winnipeg came in our building. And the only time the Giants were allowed up for air was the two games against Victoria. And, you know, then uh, then it was off to the Central Division. Um, you know, ten, 10 road games, six to the Central Division. And, uh, you know, back to Prince George after they got back. And before you knew it, when the dust had settled, this team was seven, eight, two, and two. Pretty competitive. And Chris, of that eleven to this point, eleven are one goal games. This is a Giants team I think has played more one goal games probably than anybody. Uh, they're five, two, two, and two. Now, you know, when when you get numbers like that, it's kind of hard to decipher. So uh, let me just zero in on that second, that first two, five, two. They've lost two games in regulation in 11 one-goal games. So they're, they're already, their coaching staff's talking about playoff hockey. you got to be ready even now. you got to learn how to play. you got to learn how to win the one-goal game. So that's that's a big positive, and that's that's where they're at now, and, and that's what, you know, uh, they play Spokane on Wednesday, but this is about where this team is at when the Regina Pats come in here uh, on Friday night. Yeah, so similar to the, to the Regina situation a little heavier on the road to begin with and that that'll probably help them in the back end with a little more home games you know playing maybe some more of those bottom end teams that they can pick up some wins on well with with Vancouver the, the thing is where where we are where this team is right now and it, it's in a good spot it, there aren't a whole lot of bottom end teams that we're playing uh you know, uh, I guess Victoria is definitely a bottom team. Spokane, at this point, is a, is what I'd call a bottom team in the Western Conference. They're the yeah. bottom two. Um, but I, I've been around this league long enough, and the coaches will always tell you, and you probably know this yourself, it's hard to win in this, in this league. It's hard to win any night against any team. Um, there's just not a lot of gifts. But when you look at the, you know, the Giants roster, if I can just take, you know, four positions that, you know, that I, you know, for your listeners that you can see where the Giants are at. I, I mean, I look at this for these four key positions and they are they are faceless for me until I put a face to them. And I'm talking about a goaltender. I look at, you know, the, the Pats or the or, or, or Red Deer or, you know, any team in the league. When I want to assess them, I look at, okay, What's their goaltending situation? I uh, look at what's their top. They only you get three twenty-year-olds. What are your top twenty-year-old? How's your top twenty-year-old doing in your in your team? Because you've got to have them at key positions, yeah. and they have to produce, right? Yeah. And then I look at your European player. You're only allowed two. How's your top bureau doing? And then I look at what's your top defenseman doing. What you know? What what? kind 
kind of production? What kind of offensive driver is he? Well, what you'll face in Vancouver, any team right now, well, you'll face a goaltender, Jesper Weichmann, who's a fourth, a fifth round, I think, Vegas draft. And they say you make your reputation in the playoffs. And, I mean, he did that last year in round one. Chris, he had a 50-save shutout in Everett Oof. in the playoffs. Now, people that don't know how tough it is to play in that building, it's crazy tough. It's um, The atmosphere is really something special. Uh, they don't lose a lot of games in there. So they're solid in goal. Their they're, uh, top 20-year-old is Ty Thorpe, a wonderful acquisition they got uh, prior to last season from Brandon. Uh, he's second in scoring, so we'll take that. And he's probably the hardest worker on this team. The European player that they'll face, Pat's in here on Friday, is Sam Honsik. Uh He leads the team in scoring. That's not bad when your European player is your team's leading scorer. He's a big kid. He's 6'3", Slovakian. It looks like a, a pretty much at this point of likely first round draft pick and when you look at your top defenseman we have a kid back there a 7-0 Mazden Leslie and he has more points right now than the rest of the five other defense combined now that's not always a good thing obviously but yeah. it's a bit of a driver for us so we're, we're happy about those you know those five key positions or four key positions that I'm talking about so when you put a, a face to them you know they jump out and say okay this is what these guys are doing but other people may value and assess teams differently that that's kind of what I look over my experience over over the years yeah no for sure and like you mentioned the imports so you got one import scoring already looks like he's assimilated to the league you know sometimes those guys it takes them half a season to get in but his first mm-hmm. year he's Obviously, by the stats, he looks like he's he's all well on his way. And like you said, Vikman on the back end there, he's he's a solid uh, goaltender, and he's a twenty as well, is he not? So yeah, he's he's a, a two spotter, yeah. European and a twenty. Yeah, so obviously he's he's valued enough for them to keep him around. And then yeah, Mazin Leslie, that was kind of the other guy that I had kind of keyed on. He kind of came into the that hub season with with a bit of a bang with some yeah. highlight reel goals from the back end and he kind of had a, a a nice little uh 15 year old season for them yeah yeah you got the five goals as a 15 year old you're right in in the bubble and you know you you, you get a, people start getting a little little uh whacked and they start talking about maybe he's a comparison of ball and byron well um let me tell you he it started that way maybe as a 15 year old but he's not a a, a Bowen Byram player. I've been fortunate enough to uh, see Bowen Byram when we brought him up as a 15-year-old and then at 16, 17. And Chris, just let me tell you, I've been asked many times, including a couple, you know, Saskatchewan uh, radio broad, uh, interviews that I've been on to, you know, what kind of player was Bowen Byram when he played for the Vancouver Giants? And I said, well, he was a defenseman. And I said, all I can tell you is that when he was on the ice, he was Vancouver Giants' best defenseman. Okay, that's a given. Okay, I mean, he thought offense before he even had the puck. And his reads were terrific and this, that, and the other. But here's the key. He loved to go down the ice and he got the green light to, to go deep anytime he wanted. And when he was on the ice and doing that, when he was in the opposing team's end, how about this? I considered him our best forward. So you had one player that played defense that was your best defenseman in your own zone, and if he ever went in the other zone, he was your best forward. Um, and that's not a Mazden Leslie, and that's not a, a slight on him at all. But Mazden Leslie's, uh, you know, more of a straight line player. He's comfortable getting, picking his spots in the offensive zone, and and, and one of the big credits for him too is, uh, you know, he does get a lot of shots on goal, and he gets them through. But you know. For your listeners as well, you know, the Giants have five guys that were mentioned by Central Scouting, players to watch. I think that was most of any team in, in, in the league. Okay. And, it, you know, it's Sam Honzik, it's Jaden Lipinski, it's Ethan Semenek, Ty Halliburton, and Mazden Leslie. Now, scouts have a really hard time getting up to Prince George. Um you know, I mean, you got to yeah. fly in there for one thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, when you get into that building, uh, as we played last 
week there, the two games, you had these five guys plus two Vancouver signed players, Ostopchik and Weichmann, or at least two drafted, already drafted players. And you had, what was it, six Prince George Cougar guys, two possible first-rounders likely in Height and Zemer. There were 13 players in that lineup that were already drafted or likely NHL draft picks. I've never gone into Prince George with that many uh, potential players to watch. I, I, you know, I, I'm not sure how many scouts were there. I know that in Edmonton this year, one time, well, the only time we were there, there were over 50 in the building. So um, this is a really talented BC division yeah. right now. Well, I guess we'll see what happens when Prince George visits Vancouver. I'm sure they'll all be there, right? Well, it's easy to get to. Yeah, yeah. And, for sure. And, and, you know, just let me just say this one more thing about the Cougars, and, and you guys will see them. Uh, they have they have the three best 20-year-olds in the league, in my opinion. And 20s are so important. they got Chase Wheat, Wheatcroft, who they got from Winnipeg, Noah Boyko, who they got from Lethbridge, and they've got Dubinsky, who they got from Regina. And those three 20s career have over 300 points in their career. Now, you add that to the young kids, Hudson Thornton, um, you know, Riley Height, Cohen Zemer. You got this. You, you got to watch this Cougar team. I am really, really high on them. They're, I, they are a very, very tough out extremely tough out and then Ethan Sampson is a surefire defenseman he's already been drafted leads a team in shots on goal so yeah Vancouver is a team that's that's sort of in the middle of the pack and uh it'll be interesting to see what uh you know uh, they they should Chris they should get the the win in Spokane on Wednesday but uh then they're home to uh, to Regina as their next home game Friday night and I mean that's that's everybody's looking forward to that. Yeah, and I mean, I've heard that the building's sold out. It has been sold out for a while. It sounds like ticket sales are pretty good in the whole road trip for them. So obviously, obviously, people want to see Connor Bedard and and see what he's all about in person. I mean, well, Winnipeg even last night on Saturday night they had a. I think their capacity sixteen twenty one because they've had that a couple times. They listed the capacity or the attendance last night at 2000 so yeah and we're sold out saskatoon had 7865 yeah Yeah, on a sunday afternoon see and the thing with connor bedard coming into our building um that's going to be his first western hockey league game west of the you know the rockies into the bc division um it's his first western hockey league game in his hometown Uh, that's kind of cool um, he'll be playing his 100th Western Hockey League game. Um, he's got 21-game point streak right now. That ties you know, his longest in his short career, so he's got the opportunity Friday in uh, Vancouver to make it 22. And, and by the way, the, the, the 21 games he's got in a row, he got no points in game one of the season, but he got 10 shots on goal. Oh, so yeah. uh, you know that's 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 pretty impressive, and and oh he you know and, and and he's he's so special and 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 you know I mean I haven't seen him in person, but you know one scout has said that in they saw him in what they thought was his worst game in, in the Western Hockey League he's played, and he still collected three points, two goals, and an assist, and you know he, he, you've seen him way more than anybody, obviously, and and nobody's so creative with his shooting. You know, Chris, there's a lot of guys that have technique in shooting, and they got they haven't got velocity. A lot of guys got a great velocity in their shot, but they don't have great technique. I mean, obviously, he's got it both. Yeah. And it's just, you know, to make an impact every every shift because he can shoot so well. Honestly, I, I asked our coach the other night, I said, does it honestly sometimes take two guys to check him? Because if he beats the first guy, you know, with, with with the skill that he's got, you're going to have to have somebody back him up because he's he's just that that creative that he's going to make something happy. And you know, even when he's looking to pass, he's ready to shoot. I, I don't know anybody that's 
you know that's got that 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 kind of skill and you know he's uh he's actually you know had a tough situation here with uh you know with covid and uh you know having to play a shortened schedule and have you know that affects your training and everything else but uh they say you ask any 10 scouts, 10 scouts will tell you that obviously he'll be the first pick. So, uh, you know, I'm not telling you anything new. The, maybe the only problem is that he's a bit of a playing on an island a little bit, if you will, because he's playing with Western Hockey League talent and not National Hockey League talent that he will be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's probably the only thing. But, you know, when I look at the kid that he's playing with, uh, one of his wingers, the, the Russian kid, I mean, that's an impressive player. Yeah, like he hasn't played with him a lot yet. It's more on the power play. Um, or are you ta- you talking Suzilev or Valis? Yeah, yeah, Suzilev. no, no, okay. Suzilev, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, they just brought him in this year, obviously, and they haven't played a ton 5-on-5 five five together. Um, he's been playing with Howe and Valis. I mean, Valis is Russian technically, but he is an American, so he's yeah. not an import, but uh, they've kind of... They had the chemistry going last year, and they've kind of rolled it into this year. But, yeah, they picked up Suzdalev, and he's already starting to catch his stride. They put him in some, you know, easy situations, like on the power play. Like, he's got some skill. He's got some hands. He's got a shot as well. So, and he's he's the first guy up onto that top line of how or Vallis are gone. So, and, I mean, they played together when Bedard went over to Sweden, they played together on HV71 before the hub season uh, yeah. started off. So they had, you know, they had a little bit of knowledge with each other. But, yeah, he's he's been looking good. And like you said, his shot, yeah, it's been great. I mean, obviously, in the talent level is is not up to his level where he, he's playing down to these other players. No, you know, no disrespect to them, obviously. But, I mean, even at 15 in the hub, You've seen his playmaking ability even before his shot. I think obviously his shot's gotten better over the last two years, but you could see it at 15, his playmaking ability. And he was playing with a 20 in Carson Denemy, and he was a goal a game Denemy with Bedard. And then as soon as Bedard went to under 17s, I think Denemy had all of one goal in the last eight or nine games in that hub season. So you kind of, you that tells the story right there, like who. I mean, yes, Denemy was putting it in the net, but who was making that play and such? And I mean, even he was even, you know, in that hub season, he's even telling guys where to go, what to do, and guys were listening to him. Like it was, it was impressive. So, well, they they, they said that what Bedard did in the World Junior that that wasn't just. Uh, um, a massive achievement. There are people that talked about it being historic. Um, you know, so he's obviously got a lot of lot of pressure on him, and he's, it's it's absolutely affecting him needlessly at all. I mean, he's just surviving it. And you know, back to your point. I, I mean, I really do like the big guy. You know, Zuzdalev uh, playing with him. Uh, he's a Washington draft, and you yeah. know. You know, I, here's a couple of reasons why I think, and I've watched him a little bit, why he's a really, really good fit for Bedard. I wouldn't be surprised if John uses him more, you know, and more in that situation. And, and that's because, you know, he, at 6'3", he creates tur- turnovers. That's number one. And he skates well enough. In, in, you know, you got to be able to skate well enough so that when there's a transition play in neutral ice, where all of a sudden, instead of 200 feet, the other team is giving you, you know, half of that, 100 feet. They turn the puck over and away you go. He skates well enough with Bedard. You can tell that. And he he re, the, the other thing is he focuses. Kid, this Russian kid focuses hard on his offensive skill, and that's something you have to have when you're playing with with, with Bedard. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and 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 you know what? Washington says that Zuzdalev is dangerous every time he enters the offensive zone, and that's even you know even before you know playing with. Bedard. I, yeah. I think that that's a wonderful fit. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's five on play, five on five play. Maybe isn't quite there yet. I mean, he maybe has to put on some size. He's not obviously he's not as physical. You know that European style is is evident there. But I mean, yeah, he's definitely you can see the tools. You can see see his offensive instincts. So it'll be interesting well, to see how he 
he transition or you know progresses this season. I don't know. Is he gonna go to Sweden's under twenty camp slash make the team? We don't know yet. You know, so it's gonna be interesting with not only losing Bedard but Suzdalev and Stanislav Svozil as well. So there's gonna be three top players gone for quite a while for this team after this road trip. How is uh, Tanner Hall fitting? He's played with him for two years now, hasn't he? Yeah. So he came into the hub after Bedard left, and John said that he didn't even recognize him. He had grown so much, put on some weight, because he was drafted in the fourth round, I think it was, but he put up great points in PA. Yeah. And uh, I think if he was bigger at the time of the draft, he would have went in the first, maybe second round kind of thing is what they were kind of thinking. But, you know, he grew. I mean, he still isn't the biggest player out there, but he's... He's kind of all over the place. He he was in Suzilev's spot on the power play before. And, you know, he Bedard was feeding him. He was lighting the lamp on the power play last year a whole ton. But now with the departure of Dubinsky, Howe's moved into that kind of net front presence. And he's he's willing to go there. He wants to go there into those dirty spots. He, he'll do anything. He'll be in front of the net. He, he's got the skill to play on the outside. So he's a great player, especially for a pickup in the fourth round. Yeah, he's a fourth-round draft pick. You're absolutely right. And, yeah, that's the beauty of the Western Hockey League is, is uh, so often the player you start with in September is not the player you end up with in, in March or April. They, they've just they've grown. Um, they're stronger, to your point, uh, how I – you know, is I, I think he's probably five ten or five eleven, if if that. Uh, you know, decent uh, decent vertical size, and yeah, I know. I, I was wondering how they how they were playing, and and the other thing too about the Western Hockey League, which is so amazing, is that uh, you know you age in and you age out. I mean, uh, you know, your team's only you, the three twenty year olds are gone. You can't have them back, and if you're a team with six nineteens. Uh, three of those can stay, so you lose three more there. So potentially you're aging out six or seven, some teams even eight players are gone. And if you've got a 17-year-old who's had a decent season or a 16-year-old that had a good rookie season, um, you know, you you age in and you just get better. You know, I'll tell you a story on, on Zach Ostachuk, who you're, you're going to see here on uh, on Friday. Zach Ostopchuk is the one player in all the my years in the league that got drafted by Ottawa in the second round, early second round. Zach Ostopchuk got drafted with, Chris, 24 career points. Now, that's okay for a defenseman. You know, you don't mind that. But when you're a forward and you've got a total of, you know, 24 career points and a team says – we want you in the second round. They said, Ottawa said that it was a sensey pick. They sensed something about him. Well, they were absolutely spot on. Uh, you know, what uh, what what he did when he aged in. Uh, uh, when he was 16, I couldn't believe how many times that he was put out for key face-offs at both ends of the ice late in games, late in periods. Totally responsible. When he when his 16-year-old season, he... He, he didn't even play all, all, all that much. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, he gets to that point where last year comes along and he's, he's uh, you know, he's now benefiting from what you said earlier. Alex Cotton was picked up, and, you know, and a number of other players. Uh, you know, you just make you a better player. Your, your stage gets you're, you're bigger and, you know, you're propped up because of the guys you're playing with. And Zach Ostopchik then finished with the leading, our Vancouver Giants leading scorer in the playoffs. And, and right now he's only played, I think, 14 games. He's got 20 points. That's that whole aging in. And, and kudos, massive kudos to the Ottawa Senators for saying, you know what, we're going to pick this guy with 12 goals and 12 assists in 66 games. That was his resume. Actually, pardon me, 72 games, because I think he played as a 15. Yeah, six is a 15, so. So, so you know, I just remember that. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget the twelve and twelve. And I'm thinking, you know what? That's and they admitted it. They said, you know what? We're is he, we call him a. We got a sense about him. 
Yeah. They actually I mean, attached the word Sensi. He's a Sensi pick. Yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of darts thrown in that draft, you know, with players not playing a ton that season. No players in the OHL played at all, right? So there's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that kind of draft shakes out and those players, maybe some free agents here, you know, that teams didn't pick because they only played, like you said, maybe 60 games and only had 24 points. Well, they didn't pick them. Well, some teams did pick those players. Some teams, some teams didn't. And it's going to be interesting, right? It's how it all shakes out in the end. Well, we have a guy with, with the Vancouver Giants that I think probably has been affected more by the, uh, you know, the COVID limiting schedule. You just can't miss 60 games. Chris, as a as a developing hockey player, and not feel it. I mean, it's <laughs> those are sixty games you didn't play. Yeah, yeah. And we got a guy, Kyron Gronick, who, you know, the local was, kid. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you you know him. Yeah. Or certainly about him. He he started off extremely well at at Prince George. I liked him. I liked him. You know when. We went up there and played him. He was a young, I think he was a 60-year-old at the time, and started well and then hit a roadblock, and then they traded him to Saskatoon. And, yeah. You know, nothing really happened there. And and, and back in Vancouver, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's played probably 20, I think he's played every game, you know, for the Giants, and I, he's, he's stuck on a goal. And I, I know it's frustrating, but i got to believe that there's something there Mm-hmm. because he showed it i saw it as a 16 year old yeah you know and i saw it at 17 I, this, the kid can score from the top of the circles that's yeah. your real talented scorers when they can score from you know a little ways out anybody i don't want to say anybody but it's a different goal when you're in traffic and you get tap-ins and rebounds but when you're when you're sniping from that spot but he's stuck and i think really vancouver is really, really he could be a, a key if he could end, i had him penciled for a minimum of 15 goals and maybe even 17 this year and you know i mean it's it's got to start pretty soon but uh, yeah he's a local boy i forgot he was from regina yeah. yeah and i mean he was i think he was the top scorer in that bantam year in regina here he was you know obviously one of the top players if not mm-hmm. the top player coming out of regina that year so yeah there was you know there's talk about him and yeah starting in prince george i mean that's a that's a long ways away and whatever and then yeah, then to Saskatoon, and then now to Vancouver. So he's, you know, he's he's circled the wagon a bit. But I mean, he's he's got the talent, like you said. Yeah, I have I haven't seen him play much. I've seen a couple games in that Bantam season, but uh, not much at all. So if you if you think he's has the talent there, then it'd be nice to see. Definitely, you know, local kid. Well, they're they're they made the trade for him. I I can't recall what they. What Vancouver gave up? Uh, oh, I know exactly. Justin Lee's. Yeah, I mean it okay, was yeah. kind of kind of similar, you know. And, and Vancouver gauged an age, gained an age. The other thing, real quick, with Gronick is, you know, he's an eighteen-year-old. If he could get untracked and then be a solid nineteen-year-old next year, I mean, he's got possibility of playing even as a twenty-year-old. Yeah. You yeah. know, and yeah. and then make a decision on your scholarship, great scholarship plan that. You know that is available in the Western Hockey League. I, I'm a big, I'm a massive fan of 20 year olds getting any, not necessarily NHL contracts, but 20 year olds getting a contract in Europe, American League, even ECHL. Somewhere a 20 year old to play for money, to play for some dollars. I'm a big fan of that because most of these guys have worked really hard to do that. And my obviously. It, Personally, on our team here now, this Ty Thorpe kid is just—I uh, I can't speak highly enough of, of what Ty Thorpe has done. And they play him on the line now quite a bit with Hansik and Ostopchuk. And the two wingers are six-three each. They're wonderful guys around the net. They're hard to to move out. They'll bowl guys over to get to a rebound. Uh, and as we've already said, Hansik's a top scorer and point per game. Probably Ostopchuk isn't far behind, and Thorpe is having a career year uh, working with those guys. So they, they've been a factor for the Vancouver Giants, but it kind of makes the Giants look like what kind of secondary scoring have we now got. But every one of the Giants, and top now, top six guys after the three I just mentioned, are all on a point 
uh, per game basis higher than they even were last year. So that's kind of good news. But yeah, yeah the Giants are in the, kind of the middle of the pack, Chris. Uh, you know, uh, they can be a very tough team to play against. Yeah, and I mean, same thing with Regina, right? There's They've had some good games, they've had some bad games. They're right in that middle 500 record, just under 500 now with the two losses to Winnipeg. And it's, you know, you see the flashes and you see the downs, ups and downs. It's so, I know lots of people are clamoring, you know, this team should be better and all this and all that. But I mean, it is what it is, they, you know, the goaltending was really was the downfall last season and and that's really come around this year. So that's nice to see. Are they happy with Drew Sim? Yeah, this year, yeah. he he. They brought in that Cohen McInnes from Everett, um, and uh, I think that maybe Spartan. I, I mean, every player wants to get better, right? He knew he had a bad season, and you know, them bringing in some competition. And he he said to us the one after the one game, he said, "Yeah, they let us know that we're bringing in another goalie, and you know, there's going to be some more competition because they've got Sim as 19 and they got Keeper at 18." So it's perfectly set up, right? And then they bring in McInnes as a 20. I mean, they had other 20s, you know, that you thought, well, you kind of want to keep around. But Sim was out the mo- easily the top goalie from camp preseason into the season. And then they released McInnes. And, uh, and keepers come along. He had some injury issues last year. He didn't finish the season and stuff. So he... He showed flashes. He was a higher draft pick out of the Bantam. And uh, so they're, I think they're happy now. Sim has played well throughout the season. And both of them said they, they really worked on the mental side of the game. They both got mental performance coaches. They kept in touch. They got together a couple times in the summer. So it, it's really come along for them. Yeah, well, that, that's that's good. Uh, you know, we had him in Vancouver right. for a short time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he had he had a game up in Prince George one night. I remember uh, he was one of the three stars, if I'm not mistaken. He certainly was on on uh, in our books that night. You know, while while I even have you here, is a couple pronunciations. Is it Svozil? Yes, Svozil. Yeah. And and Vallis is pretty uh, boring. That's pretty uh, easy. I don't yeah. think there is. Is it Berg or Bergy? Berg. Yeah. yeah. Berg. So. Oh, really? Looking, uh, you know, looking forward to that. And and, and again, it's a, without a doubt. Eh? I mean, let's not kid anybody. It's a traveling Connor Bedard show, and yeah. he's packing buildings everywhere. And and and, and well, he should. And, and it's it's exciting to have him here. Yeah. No. I mean, we get to see him every night. So I mean, it's it's wonderful. Like, there's tons of people. Oh, they should trade him. They should trade him. All this and all that. And I'm like, I don't even want to get into it. But I I just want to watch him play. So I, I want him to be here. Like, Chris, uh, I, I could tell you one thing about trading Connor Bedard. I can't imagine if if they traded him to a team, and the team uh, flared out, uh, didn't didn't win the Memorial Cup. I mean, Steele had a great year. That could be somewhat, uh, you know, uh, that could be somewhat digested, if you will. Yeah. But if Connor Bedard is traded to a team and there's a picture anywhere of him raising the Memorial Cup, I can't believe how hard that would be for Regina Pat fans to, to swallow. I, I really can't. That to me is, and I'm just speaking me personally, that would annoy me to no end because he was our guy. We drafted him. He's our Regina Pat. I yeah. want him to, I want him to re- to, to put that take that sweater off for the last time and be a Regina Pat sweater, but boy, that would irk me to no end to see him jubilation, you know, raising a Memorial Cup. Now John Paddock might say, okay, but you know what? It gives us a, you know, I mean, what you'd get for him would be ridiculous, right? In terms of players and everything else, it could yeah. set you up. But I, I would not. And I just speak for myself. I can't imagine. Uh, you know, him being on a team and winning a Memorial Cup. I mean, it'd be good for him, but I just don't, as a Regina Pad fan, it wouldn't, I, 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 it wouldn't fly with me. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's, there's lots of people on both sides of the fence, so it, it's, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of chatter back and forth, so. Um, yeah, you, I can imagine. You want to touch on Victoria quickly yeah, here before sure. we check out? I mean, 
Victoria, yep. they've kind of struggled lately. I mean, 2015-2016, they were top team in league, and it's kind of just been downhill from there. I mean, they, they, ha- you know, they don't really have a, like you said, you look at your 20s, imports, goalies, they don't really have yep. a face either to that team. And the only really name that steps out to me is Cole Reshny. And, I mean, he's played three games, but, I mean, he's leading – leading the midget or I guess under 18 league here in Saskatchewan he's really playing well for the Saskatoon Blazers but I mean as for on their actual roster it's just a bunch of guys I mean they it's you know I they seem to be kind of struggling the last few years yeah yeah and it's really it's really bad this year I'll, uh, you know uh, they've won two home games they're, they're two seven and two at home um, they've beaten Kelowna at home mind you and they beat Brandon uh, you know they're one nine one on the road, but they're playing at home against the Regina Pats. They're three three wins total. They've lost six in a row at home. Um, their goals for are fewest in the Western Conference. Their goals against are most in the Western Conference. <laughs> what else do we want to know? That's that's not a good recipe right there. Second most losses in the WHL. Totally at sixteen. I think Edmonds got seventeen. Um, and then to top it all off last night they lose 5-2 to Victoria it got ugly I think with two seconds left in the game and then a line brawl at the 20 minute mark everybody was involved I hear Um, sometimes that's good sometimes most times it's not Uh, you know you got to draft well you got to develop well you got to trade well and I'm not saying that they haven't done that. I'm not pointing any fingers at anybody, but you you know, it's the same in the NHL. Uh, you have to draft well. That's number one. You, you know, that's your management's job. You got to develop well. That's your coaches and you got to trade well. That's your GM. They mm-hmm. lost four guys from last year's top four scorers on that team. They had a wonderful 20-year-old in Bailey Peach at yeah. 78 points. You mem- yeah. remember him? Um they had Bra- they had Braden Sherman with 54, 29 goals. They had uh, Gaden Laroque, uh, and they had Taryn Pfizer. Now all of them are gone. Two of them aged out: Taryn Pfizer and Bailey Peach. Uh, I don't know what the injury to Braden Sherman is. I think he's only played a half a dozen games, if that. And Gaden Laroque, uh, he is a, a wonderful defenseman. He had 10 goals, I think, and close to 50 plus points. Um, when I take those four guys out of their lineup, now two automatically because of aging, I, I see 93 goals and 235 points. So, you, you know, let's round that up just for the heck of it. That's 100 goals out of the lineup. And to this point, I haven't seen anything replacing that. Um, yeah. You mentioned you mentioned a kid from Regina, didn't you? Uh, I think he is. He plays in Saskatoon. I think he's out of that area, but I mean, he's he's a young kid, right? So he's just getting his feet wet. And well, that can't be, you know. I mean, and that's great, but that you, that can't be your go-to. No, guys, no, you know? right? No, for sure. You know, you're right. Now, and the other thing, and this is just what I hear. Uh, I've always liked their two goaltenders, Tyler Palmer and Arnold Campbell. Okay, it was okay. kind of a play on words. There was yeah. an Arnold Palmer there, yeah. but you know, Tyler Palmer was was uh 19 and uh campbell was 20 and they had to really make a decision on the 20 year old so they they let arnold campbell go and i don't have it right here who their 20 year olds are not that it matters at this point and then i hear uh, i heard this tyler palmer's kind of left the team he, he i noticed he wasn't in the lineup last night so now you got two goaltenders at uh were really good. I mean, they were two of the best last year that you'd face on any team. Uh, they could put either one of them. I mean, get, against Vancouver, they had like nine, nine, four, oh, say percent. We played them 12 times. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they beat us nine. We won three games. I mean, it was without a doubt. This, to your point, this is how much they've slipped. They were, they were the Vancouver Giants' number one problem. I mean, we sque- squeezed into the playoffs mainly because we had very little success at Victoria. Well, I mean, 
and it's it's done now and there's a new year as i said for all the right reasons there and you uh you got a team that's that's really struggling but you, you know what you you can't uh you, you know you can't take that game for you know for granted it's no, no. uh you just can't go in there and think that's you know stopping your schedule that you sh- you know a freebie game that that's that that might not be low hanging fruit they they could come back and jump up as every team in this league is able to do. Yeah, I mean their twenties, Jake Poole, most of his career in Kelowna there like he's he's a solid player. Alex Thacker they just picked up from Lethbridge and then they've had Riley Gannon for a while. So there's your three twenties. I mean they're probably they should be leading this team in yeah, scoring yeah. I think but uh, yeah so well, if they're picking up 20 year olds you know that means they don't even have them you know they haven't even had them in their system right yeah. in other words they they pick up Jake Poole who's a pretty good hockey player I, I, I don't mind him at all I, we've played them twice and he has oh I think he might have been yeah he was in the lineup once and uh, yeah I mean uh they're, they're, at this point, they certainly don't look good on paper, and they, they don't particularly look good uh, in, you know, in, in character. With, uh, you know, their their give a crap meter might be a little bit low. They're going to have to turn that around, and you know. But as I said, uh, they just can't, uh, you just can't go beyond that. If you're if you're going into that building and you're not prepared, you you, you can get. Uh, and I'm just speaking for every team. You can get get uh, hurt pretty bad you may have to uh you may have to battle we 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 may have been a, had a factor real quick chris we we were down two goals with a minute and 15 seconds left if i'm not mistaken in our giants in their last game in there two goals down 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 two uh with a minute and 15 we pull a goalie score to tie it pull a goalie against score to get within one pull a goalie, a goalie again to tie it and then win it in overtime that was a big uh, that was a big hit for them they uh yeah. that, that sometimes is hard to recover from for a couple games anyway no doubt so well hopefully this is the bottom of their cycle and they can they can start you know back up the hill in the next coming seasons here so yep good stuff yeah no uh thanks for coming on and i think yeah maybe we'll have you back on next week you can you can give us a review of seeing bedard in person and and what you thought of the team and then we can maybe talk a little more bc division next week so anytime give me a call be awesome so all right thanks a lot for your time thanks chris take care bye-bye bye intercepted bedard takes it over the winnipeg line in the slot little drag move to the backhand scores nasty goal Connor bedard stuff to open this hockey game. Holy smokes, what an effort. He deeped everybody right out of their jock straps.